All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm not going to really get into that. I just stuck around because I just want to say that piece of shit I think Lucy is. I am not talking about the play. You're an expert? No, it was on the replay. So you saw it, you're saying you saw it, it's on, you're an expert? Yes. You're not an expert. Stop beating me into it, please. Gutless. Piece of shit. Put your mic on so you can play this tomorrow. Hockey, you're back. Yes. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Department of Discipline my name is Ryan Pinder here in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, up QE2 in Olds, Jay Rose. Hill. Rosie, how are you? You got it right, Pinder. I'm good, man. You've been struggling with my hometown for a while now. I don't know. There's a lot of these towns that I think I've either been invited to some like uh, barn parties in high school or like some minor hockey tournaments, and it's just, it's all foggy. I, I got to sort them out, but uh, I've heard good things about Olds. I've got some family that have been up there. I'm ready to come uh, bother you and invade. We need a big bonfire, have a few beers. That's got to get on the menu at some point this winter. Yes, we do. Let's get this first show in the can, and we'll have to get up here and do that. All right, so what is the show? Department of Discipline. Well, it's going to be our weekly hangout where we talk about fights, heavy hits, what the league's doing wrong, what the league's doing right. Have we seen much of that? And um, maybe what's going wrong with uh, just society in general. I have a little segment I'll propose to you at the end of the show today. But yeah, I haven't really ever chatted with you at great length about your career and how in the world, uh, you know, a guy from Olds ends up playing in the NHL for two of the monster franchises and the Flyers and Leafs. Maybe give us the Reader's Digest on growing up and how you ended up making a living in the NHL. The Coles notes, the Coles notes. I mean, growing up, my brother played. He was older than me. I had to do what he did and uh, played hockey like any other kid. To me, what really struck home, honestly, which has a lot of 
parallels with this show that we're going to do and what we're going to go into. But every Christmas, you'd get the Rock'em Sock'em tape. And me and my brother would wear that thing out each year and get the next one the next Christmas. And that just kind of made my identity of what I liked about hockey and how I wanted to play it. And by the time you hit hit hockey, I was more concerned with getting the biggest hit than I was getting the biggest goal. And, you know, that takes you through junior and down the pro uh, circuit, I guess you could say, as a journeyman and switch from defense to forward. And that's about the time I started scrapping. I didn't consider myself a fighter before that. I was a physical defenseman. I loved to hit and bang and wasn't scared to drop when I had to. But that switch to forward after my two years in the American League, that's when things just went a little bit haywire. And all of a sudden I'm looking in the mirror and, and I'm a heavyweight fighter and find myself in the NHL and doing that same job. And just embraced it, and it was it was pretty much just a blur after that, man. Try to paint the picture my own, but I want to hear it in your words. Like, as a D-man, there's only so many of you, physicality, very coveted. All of a sudden, you're scrapping for one of 12, 13, forward positions, and you're not lighting the lamp. you got to do something to get noticed and something to try to win the momentum in your team's favor. And so you found fighting as a tool not only to help do that, but like, this might be my ticket to get paid. Yeah, it was a bit of that. I mean, I wasn't, I was drafted by Tampa. I wasn't happy in their organization. They didn't really want to move me, but I didn't think after my first year I had success and was, you know, getting looks from the team and whatnot, then ran into a different coach, wasn't a fan of me. They said, we can put you up to forward if you want to, you know, keep a regular spot in the lineup, blah, blah, blah. They knew I'd played forward in the past, just not professionally. And all right, I'm going to do that. And I just said, screw these guys. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to make some noise. I love to run around and hit. And I found it to be a lot easier to do it on forward. And lo and behold, you do that in the American League around 2007, eight, you are going to find yourself some people knocking on your door. And that's just what happened to me. Uh, guys started coming and I just said, yeah, take all comers. Now that we're done, continue on running around. And I ran around like a maniac for that first and second year. And, uh, I don't know. I think the one year I might've had 35 fights. I mean, three in one game at times. And I look back at that and think to myself, what was that kid doing? But, uh, I wanted out and, and lo and behold, I got a call that said, Hey, Brian Burke just called and he has just traded for you. And he just took over the Maple Leafs. And that was at the end of the season. I I signed a two year deal. And on the, in that fall that after camp, uh, in 2009, I found myself on the starting roster of, of Berkey's Maple Leaf. So it all just kind of fell into place. I can see Brian Burke watching you in the press box. He's got the tie undone. He's undone a couple of buttons. He's sweating. He's like, oh, this Rose Hill kid. I'm in love. Like, dude, are that. you not truculent hockey at that point? You're the perfect Berkey player, right? We were doing fitness testing that first year. And I was watching someone do the Wingate test, that nasty, nasty bike test. Yeah. And I'm standing there and hadn't really met anyone. It's like first day of camp. And I just feel this presence behind me. And I turn around and Berkey's like eight inches away from my head. And he's just got a spitter in his hand, <laughs> big dip in his lip. And he's just looking straight forward at the guy on the bike. Doesn't even look at me. And he goes, this is your type of team, Rosie. This is your type of team. And I'm just like, Jesus. And then I think I went out and fought like five times in seven nights in exhibition just to be a maniac. And I guess they liked it because uh, I stuck around. Might have made the team. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. This Rosell guy. Let's get him a real number. What's going on here? Okay. So your first NHL fight, you tell me about camp. But I mean, it's, it's different when there's the full rinks, the lights are on, you're on TV. You've made it after being a pick and having to bounce around a bit in Tampa's organization. First NHL fight, walk me through it. 
Yeah. So first game, it was first game too. Um, in general, you know, a lot of emotions going on that night. It's in Toronto. It's against Montreal. Uh, Colt Moore was on the team and said he had Laroque. So I'm like, you know what? That's just fine. You can just, you can take Laroque. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. Um, so off they went, and uh, I don't know what shift. I think it might have been first period. Uh, the next guy in line was Travis Moen. Yeah. And we had a go at it. I knew my dad was in town. He'd flown in kind of on the red eye the night before, and and got in that day when he found out I was playing so I was thinking about him a little bit but the nice thing about it is I got to go through camp and go through exhibition and and feel the routine and everything like that so it wasn't as stressful as it could have been that first game and that first fight but when guys get called up mid-season and they're on the road themselves they got to jump on an airplane and maybe they don't have the right suit or their sticks didn't show up because it's the American League and you got to go up and then get chucked into your first game I think that'd be a hell of a lot more stressful because I felt relatively relaxed compared to how I would have been doing it any other way, like getting called up mid-season. So I think I had that to my advantage. But the whole day, a whirlwind of emotions and checking things off the list, like bucket list stuff, your first shift, you sit down. I remember looking down at the bench going, well, that's it. I've done it. I did it. I've been trying to do this forever. And I finally just did it and it was over. And then I found I had to reevaluate my goals. Like now it's just not just to make it. Now I got to like try to stay in here and try to do X and do Y. And it was a whole reevaluation after, you know, a decade of seriously having your sights set on getting to the NHL. So tell me about Moen, the fight. How, how does it go? You're, you're comfy and you make a good point. You've been around the team. You probably had a sense you're going to make camp. You hear what Berkey's saying. Very different than like wh- which hotel am I room in? Who's got my gear? Did my sticks get here? I'm trying to get tickets for someone. Like you're set in. You're ready to go. How'd the fight go? It was pretty good. To be honest with you, I'll have to go back and watch it. I don't go back and watch a whole lot of my fights. It just stirs up a lot of like, just I start to get antsy again. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. But if I recall, we had a quick square off. Travis Mullen and Jay Rosehill. It's their turn. Mullen will have to be a bit more of a protector than he had to be in Anaheim with all of these small Montreal forwards. Jay Rosehill earned this spot with 33 fights in the American League last year. I think I kind of spun him around. He went down. I'd say I took it. Rosehill throwing left. Mullen trying to throw right. Now he goes to the left to protect himself. And now Rosehill to the right. But just in general, to hear the Air Canada Center rocking and rolling was unreal. And Habs leaves opening night. Come on. That was big stuff. We dropped that one. So it was a tough start. But this one here for Rosehill. He just ignored the puck, and he was the one who initiated it. So first period of the season's halfway through, and already two fights by the two players you would expect in the Leaf lineup to get involved. The whole damn year didn't go the way we wanted to. I don't think we quite had the team to go the distance. But playing for that team in that town, in that barn, and getting into a scrap and seeing 20,000 literally come alive when you do something is just next to none. I want to ask you another couple of quick ones and I'll, I'll tell you some of my illustrious fight history, not in any, but just watching them on TV. I'm sure you're very curious about this. When did you say, okay, I've bitten off more than I can chew. What was the fight where you're like, okay, that's trouble for me. Or did you find a way to saw off ones where you, you were in trouble? I, I don't know that they're even the best of all time that those guys still lose their fair share. 
the McGratton fight, I think he's a guy that we, you know, we'll probably end up talking to on this show itself, but he was probably the roughest, toughest customer in the league at the time. And lots of guys didn't want to fight him. Lots of guys would hide from him and string out as far as possible. Lots of guys would try to seatbelt, get in really tight, hold on with both hands type of thing. I dropped him with him. It was kind of a scrum. We get backed up to center and I realize we're going and I say, screw it. I'm going my left hand. I'm throwing lefts and you know, let him throw his rights, which in retrospect isn't a great idea considering he's probably got 30 pounds on me at the time, maybe 20 and a couple of inches, and he just wants to lead and chuck. But I can't stand the fights where you feel the initial crowd reaction and then there's a whole bunch of seatbelt and then holding on and both guys got both hands full of jersey and it's like, is anyone doing anything? And then you hear the the energy and the letdown in the crowd when it starts to get a little quieter and they're realizing this isn't as entertaining as I thought. I could never bring myself to go there. So I went left-handed all the time. I'm not left-handed. I'm a right-handed person, but I would throw lefts all the time. It kind of became a thing where, screw it. You take your hand. I'll take my hand. Let's just trade. And away we go. And that served me well. I never got knocked out or anything. I had success doing that. But with McGratton in that first fight, He's just overpowering. And I remember just going, tuck your chin, eat what you have to off the side of the head, and just try to keep up as much as you can. And when you watch the video, it's like, oh, man, you're getting overpowered all day. And behind the play, we've got McGratton trading some pretty good ones here. Ryan McGratton just throwing them at Rose Hill. Lifter, I'll tell you, they're throwing them good. They're both throwing them. If this were HBO, they couldn't Holy count the punches faster. Short-range punches, overhands, now after a sequence of piston-like jabs. Wow, and they're still throwing them, Pete, and i got to tell you one thing. Exhaustion time. Their, ex their knuckles are going to be exhausted. They've been landing them on the helmets, on the side, and i got to give them both credit. They have had enough. Right they're now, they can, hard, they can hardly get the arms over and around. Whoa! Only after that are the Lions been happy to break it up. Brian McGrath says, hey, folks, how did you like that? Wow, and that was two big men, Pete. But I'm not the first guy to say I got overpowered by Big Earn himself. There's a long list of those. It's not a bad list either, like you say. And they were just down in the scrum down there, Pete, and suddenly Rosehill had a hold of McGrath, and McGrath said, if you've got a hold of me, are we going? And they just were throwing pistons, both of them. Rose Hill and McGrattan. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Both of them will have to get the ice bag to the knuckles beat. Oh, yeah. Because they have got to be skinned out pretty good. If not some oxygen, too, Terry. He was sort of the undisputed belt holder guy for a while. And it's something I want to think about on this show. If we could have like a belt that, you know, isn't an official, but... Who's the guy to beat right now in the mm -hmm. league? And, and it's a little different now than it was then because fights aren't as sporadic. But a weekend of the season or so, whatever it is here, like we've already seen a few pretty good tilts. So I think it's something that maybe a little power rankings for the Department of Discipline this year. And we've got a few candidates we'll get to in a moment. Okay, so we've asked you about your first. We've asked you about when you might have been in trouble. If there's one fight that you're most proud of or that just is off the charts for entertainment value or let's say the hockey fights rating, because on hockeyfights.com, oh, that's a great mm. fight. What would it be if you had to point to something in, in your uh, resume? I'm sure that's when you apply for jobs. You're like, please check out these fights. Hire me or you're dead. 
No, I stay away from that. I'm I'm still dealing with sh- my kids oh, going no. through them, trying to piece together <laughs> why, why I'm doing this. <laughs> the most looked at ones, I think, in my career, which didn't last 20 years or anything like that, but would be the Bizonet fight in Phoenix or the Lucci fight in Boston. Those ones, you know what, the Lucic one, we're going after it. Also, Lucic are squared up. And one block is right all. There we go. That's Rosa coming in for Commissaric from earlier. We're both trading pretty good, and we spin around a little bit, and his jersey just rips, and I got that NHL logo in my hand. It just rips off. I'm thinking, okay, these lineies are right here. They're going to be in in two seconds, and they just kind of stand there. So me and him start squaring off again. They're not done yet. And he goes into his boxing mode, and I'm remembering he's like an Olympic junior boxer and all this stuff. I've never had boxing gloves on in my life. So we started shadow boxing in the middle of a fight, which was pretty entertaining, I think. And people looked at that one for being pretty good. And and that will do it. Wow. All-time hockey in Boston. Bruins lead 3-2. The Bissonette one was just real spirited right in front of their bench. And uh, we got Rosehill and Bissonette. And Rosehill is one tough customer. We split up in the middle of it, too, and I chucked my elbow pads off mid-fight as well, and it was just a highly entertaining one, and that's the biggest thing. You're doing it for a reason. You want to get the boys going. You want to get the team going, and if you're getting the whole entire building going, you're going to serve that purpose, so I wanted to make sure you're going full out. If you're going to do it, don't seatbelt. Don't hold on. Do it for a reason and give it your This is a big-time heavyweight battle here. Rose Hill's doing the Bissonette, what Bissonette usually does. He's got him right in the top of the jersey. And he ripped a big chunk of Bissonette's jersey right off. This is a good old-fashioned punch yeah, in the, the paint el- contest. The elbow pads are off. Oh, Bissonette's got it singing now. They are chucking him from downtown. Wow. They both got the lawnmower going. And who would know, just over a decade later, you and Paul Bissonette, two of the massive media moguls covering the NHL. I think I got a ways to go. He had about a 12-year head start on me, I think, with Twitter and media. And I remember playing for the Leafs, and he was playing for the Coyotes. And we had him on his show, and I told him, I remember people saying, that Bissonette is so dumb, he is tweeting himself right out of the league with all the crazy stuff he was tweeting at that point in time, when nobody did that in the league. Guys stayed pretty ho-hum. And he just laughed and said, yeah, I know there's a few close calls I had to talk to, you know, the powers that be within the team in the NHL. But looking at him now, man, he has it figured out. He actually is a a media mogul right now within the means of hockey. We joke about it on uh, the other show we do here in Calgary. Like he might be one of the more influential people in hockey media. And if you're making power rankings, you can't put him outside your top five. You know, not trying to use it as like what he's usually doing, but like the Mike Babcock thing is a perfect example. If I said those exact same things, it's like, it's never news. But because of the magnitude of that show they're doing, and because, you know, he's on TNT and he's a big part of that show being entertaining. And I think a much better product than ESPN for the limited viewings I've had on both those two national products south of the border. Like the guy's got major clout. And then we're in Nashville covering the draft last June. And of course it's Nashville. So you're out having a few pops and anywhere we went where Bissonette was, was just a constant stream of, you know, I guess drinking age is 21. So 21 to 35 year olds, boys, girls, didn't matter. Everyone was coming up. They wanted to meet Biz. Everyone wanted to chat with them. And, you know, the other guys on the podcast are popular, but it was like Biz was like walking around with Taylor Swift. If, if we were trying to make the analogy outside of hockey, it was pretty impressive to see 
how he resonates with a lot of people younger than you and I. I believe it. He's built that for himself, right? Mm-hmm. He's covered the gamut. I mean, when you're talking about the influential people within the game, you know, like Aaron McLean comes up or different guys on the big networks and whatnot. And that's fine and dandy, but they're pretty limited to what they can do and what their scope is. And the reason they get big names is if they're there for a certain amount of time doing the same thing where Biz just rocket shipped himself into whatever he wanted. You know, he had a brand, he had a shtick of who I am. This is what I am. It's a self-deprecating humor. I used to be a meathead. Oh, I have concussions. That's why I'm so dumb. And haha and all the stories of the road and when he straddles the line you can't do that on network television so he's made a brand of himself he goes into chiclets he gets into all the different extracurriculars and marketing himself and he's got a little bit of something for everybody out there that's why when he puts himself in the public eye like try to find me a person in that demographic that you just said who doesn't know who biz is he's a he's a one-name guy now jack's our producer like when did you first hear about Paul Bissonnette or like when's he been on your radar? You're a guy that's sort of split time between the States and Canada in your life. Yeah. No idea who he was till after his hockey career. Isn't that wild? Just so for hardcore hockey guys, like I remember I'm like, this guy in Phoenix is crazy. He's like on dates in Scottsdale talking about the birds he's dating, asking Twitter for pickup lines. Like, well, what should I say to her next? I'm like, this is insane. He's playing tomorrow night. What's going on here? And you know what? He's, he's incredibly funny and like, the self-deprecating humor is dead on, but also he's eloquent dude. Like mm-hmm. that's a guy that can sell. That's a guy that he can paint a picture with very accurately. It's not like everyone in the league can operate as eloquently as he can. And he's funny, man. The guys love being around him. And most of the guys that had the role that you had, that biz had, the guys love him to begin with. And then you're funny. You're like, get out of here. We're in love with this guy. Yeah. And it's by design. He's no dummy, right? I mean, a million guys could put themselves in his position and they'd blow it, but he stuck to it. He he rode the edge. That's his thing, like straddling that line, but not far enough to, you know, to get canceled this day and age or to get fired. And he says what people think. He says what people say amongst themselves when you're talking about friends and being around sports and the whole culture of it. He He's honest Like I was saying with the regular networks, you just can't be honest. You have to paint a fluffy picture. You have to keep grandma and the kids happy and whatnot. And Biz has never really cared about that. And that's what's hit home so strongly with that demographic that we're talking about here. And not unlike the show that we're going to go into, I don't want to be scared to talk about the tough conversation. If something comes up where it's like, you know, it's delicate and there's some different sides to it. I don't mind digging into that stuff. You know, you can lead from his example. People resonate with it. People want to talk about it. People are frustrated when things happen and no one's allowed to voice a, a concern about it. No one's allowed to have an honest conversation about it. I'm not going to be scared to get into that on this type of thing because I think it's honest. I think it's important. And I think the media in general has lost their way with that type of thing. And people have lost faith in it. And they're starting to go to this type of program, which is why I'm excited about this show right now. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I feel like I don't think there's rights and wrongs so much as like, well, here's how I'm feeling. I'm just being honest about how I feel about a topic. I think you should do the same. And I think we're too worried about offending people so much as like, you know, what's really offensive is not really telling us what you actually think and just putting out some politically correct thing. I'd really rather hear how you really feel about something. So I'm glad you're on that page as well. Anyone in the Southern Alberta market, they know I'm not usually very good at biting my tongue. So you're going to hear how I really feel about things, whether you like it or not, Mr. Rose Hill. Bring it on. Uh, Who was your favorite fighter growing up? Before we get into some of the, the highlights of the last week, did you look up to a guy or did you just love them all? Like you say, the the upended by galley. Now my good buddy, Marty McSorley's here. Like, is it just anyone Don was talking about? Yeah, it's tough to pick one. I mean, 
Darcy Tucker, I know he's not a heavyweight fighter, but in that era, watching how intensely he played, I just love that. Running around, hammering everyone, just blood, sweat, and tears running off his face. Every game, the intensity he played with, I absolutely loved. But if you want to pick a pure fighter, to me, it was Bob Probert. That guy was just scary for some reason. He was just, he would never give up. His stamina was unbelievable. He was tough. He was a maniac. He could play hockey. And guys were legit scared of him, I think. And the amount of years he put in just slugging real old school fights. Oh, no tie downs, the tiny shoulder pads, like he had to get undressed. It, it took 45 seconds to a minute before he finally got going in some of these fights. They were they were epics. Him in particular, their gear comes off and you don't have anything to hold on to, like how dangerous that is and how different that is now in the tie down era. I mean, yeah. I had a tie down on, so I don't know what it's even like to get a guy down to his skin tight undershirt where there's nothing to grab onto and you're used to having a mitt full of shoulder pad and he would do that by design because once he's free he's free and took advantage of it my god Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I grew up in the Calgary area. I lived in BC for eight years as well in Western Canada. But really, when I was young, I remember Flames won the Cup in 1989. And Tim Hunter used to have these epics uh, with the Battle of Alberta back in its heyday. Maybe the best rivalry in the history of hockey. Those, you know, I want to say nearly a decade between Calgary and Edmonton, where only those two teams came out of the West for seemingly like eight years or something crazy. Hunter was tough as nails. A really nice middleweight, Ron Stern, I always loved because kind of like your Darcy Tucker analogy, like more of like that bang up and down the wings, never intimidated, but like wasn't just a pure heavy, heavy, like also a pretty decent little player, like that middleweight class. You mentioned McGrath and I had him written down as a guy that 
once I got into media here in this market, we saw and that spooky ass salute to the camera, like, oh, <laughs> this is a, this is a freak you did and meeting him and knowing him a bit after retiring. I mean, he is a unit that is a large, large human. Chris Simon, they brought him in at the deadline in 04 when the Flames went to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Christoph Oliwa yeah. was already there and it was like, hey, those guys are losing tonight, but guess what? They're going to hurt you. Intimidation is still a massive part of this game. And I think about you came in just after that when the rule changes had just come in, but there was still a lot, a lot of heavies. Intimidation cannot be written off as something that's just like, oh, people just imagine that. No, no. When you got Chris Simon and Christoph Oliwa out for a face-off in the third period, you know something's happening. Big time. A guy like me, if you're playing a team and they've got guys like that that are just chomping at the bit and licking their lips and they want to fight and they're those those guys that present themselves as these meathead maniacs who just love fighting and guys in the American League are patrolling the red line and in warm-up, you know, and sending each other out a wave after wave. I mean, I'd get intimidated by that and I'm a guy that can handle themselves. Other guys that got to play through that, that would rather just play shinny and they're not interested in the physical stuff. They hate that. They might take a night off. They might say, you know what? It's Friday night and I got a long weekend ahead. I'm going to kind of quietly try to get an apple in here from the outside maybe, but I'm not going to the corner. I don't want to deal with this team. These guys are maniacs. Let's try and do it a different way. And if not, like subconsciously guys think that. And when you had teams, you knew who were the soft teams and you knew who the hard teams were. You knew the GM built a tough-as-hell team. Guys are backing each other up going, who wants more? It makes for a long night for the opposing team. And I know it's not that way as much anymore, but I got a hot take, man. Like, this is coming back. 2015, 2016, that type of thing. They kind of got rid of it. They overhauled the league. Everyone kind of made... Pretty soft, pretty average teams. No one's allowed to hit anymore because you even clip a guy's head, you're getting suspended. You're getting suspended. You're going to the penalty box for every little infraction. They're kind of figuring out what to do, how to make a team now. We don't need these big ogres anymore. And I'm starting to see teams go towards guys that are playing more physical this year, this preseason, this early on in the season. I realize it's early, but I'm feeling this little momentum of old-time hockey kind of coming back of teams wanting to put that fourth line out there to crash and bang and open up space, hit the reset button, give their big stars a blow, and then get them back out there with a new reinvigorated momentum swing in their favor. And it seems like it's going that way. I'm seeing it with Ryan Reeves in uh, Toronto and I'm looking around at some of the stuff that's going on and I'm like, dare I say, is old time hockey making a bit of a comeback? I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath, but it seems like there's a shift towards people remembering what that value was in a hockey team. And we've always seen it with the biggest guys in free agency. Like Reeves has been pursued and politely paid his whole career. And I see now more value in, in it's like, well, we, we could use a guy like this and let's, let's claim a guy off waivers. Or let's, let's put this guy in the AHL just in case. I think we'll figure out whether this is noise or this is a real trend. Cause you're right. The first, you know, first 10 days of a season, maybe it's just the adrenaline and the emotion and guys trying to prove to their new teams or to their new coaches or new GM, whatever it is, I belong here. You got to keep me, but we'll see if it holds up, but let's go to one of the guys you're talking about. Ryan Reeves. This is a uh, second night of the season, Toronto, Montreal, one of the great rivalries in the sport over hundred years old. And uh, the guy we like to call Wi-Fi Arbor Jack guy. The reason they, his nickname is Wi-Fi. Uh, good luck spelling his last name. I'd give you a hundred tries, Jay. You're not doing it. Uh, it's a Wi-Fi codes his last name. That's, that's basically the joke. So let's have a watch. Down the ice by Gregor. 
Ryan Reeves on the four check, and here's the first Richter scale hit, and the rest can't be surprised by this. Arthur Jack Eye, Ryan Reeves, first ever meeting between these two teams in a regular season game. And, you know, hats off to Wi-Fi, man. This kid is so tough. You watch some of his fights from junior. He is cold cock knocking guys out. It's scary. And Revo said he got jumped. He did not get jumped. Jack, I gave him a chance to get his bearing and to stand up before he started swinging. I hate how none of them got their balance. You know, Reese fell a second time and then Wi-Fi puts him into the net probably intentionally. He feels like he's done his job. Everything's all good. He's going to bury him to the net and get a roar out of the crowd or a boo at least. So it's an all right scrap. I respect this kid. He can throw bombs. He can fight with anyone. He can play hockey. No two ways about it. And he understands his role and he shows up, answers the bell. Look at Revo running around. You got to answer that bell and... It's lucky Jack I was right there because otherwise Reeves, for the most part of this year, he's going to have his run of the rink because there's not many guys that are even going to come near him, to be honest. They're a thing of the past, and he's one of the few left. Well, let's put it to test. So night one, Arbor Jack I impresses us stepping up. I believe the second game of the year for the Leafs are on Hockey Night Canada is there on Saturdays. The Minnesota Wild on Hockey Night Canada for the first time since, like, the North Stars were on Hockey Night Canada. Crazy. Reeves finds another dance partner here. Let's take a peek. And this open ice hit is such a thing of beauty. Stunned. And Felino had no chance but to go up and grab him. Hats off to Felino all the way. Again, a guy who can play hockey. The guy's played, you know, 750 games probably in the NHL and to handle himself against one of the premier tough guys and know what he's doing. It's a skill that you, everyone should have. You should at least have done it once. He handles himself just fine. Revo's in his element here. And I'm sure he's feeling good after the hoopla about him coming in, being two for two in fights here. And, uh, doing well obviously he's invigorated this team i think it's obvious well and the other thing is like they they, they panned up to true living in the press box day one he signed reeves and like another sort of depth type guy and then day two it was domi and bertuzzi and some of the more receiving yep. fanfare kind of moves and it was funny because he was like oh this true living guy's a dope day one of free agent and then day two was like oh this true living guy's a genius like he's got yeah. bertuzzi but you can see what it means to that general manager to have, I don't want to say nuclear deterrent necessarily, but to have the toughest guy on the ice. And, you know, sometimes guys are going to get the better of them, but there's not many times Ryan Reeves is on the ice where it's like, oh yeah, this guy's tougher than him. It, it might not happen this year. And he might start at the top of your power rankings if we're doing this on the Department of Discipline, if we're going to have our own power rankings. But Tre Living made a point. You knew they were going to be up against the cap. You knew they were going to be screwed for cap space. And yet he still said, I'm going to go win the bidding war. I'm going to go get Reeves. It's impressive what he did. I know, like, you know, I cover the Leafs fairly extensively and they were yearning for that. I mean, you watched in frustration at that team being so full of firepower, stars galore, and they're wanting to make runs into the playoffs, which they have struggled to do in the past. And they have nobody to deter 
the abuse against their team and the disrespect in general. I know they've had, you know, Clifford and Simmons and things like that, but Ryan Reeves just fills that void in an old school way of, hey, fuck around and find out. He, I'm here for a reason. I do not care about anything. I know my role. And Tree knew that. And Tree knew where the holes were. I mean, how many times have you seen Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner just getting ragdolled and completely disrespected by multiple teams throughout the last year or two? And it's embarrassing. It's shameful to watch. And if you have respect and pride in your own organization in your jersey, that's the last thing you want to see. And it's such a disrespect to grab a guy's star and start ragdolling them, making them look bad, literally just calling them out to make them look bad. It just doesn't happen with a guy like Reeves on the ice. You just don't do it. And if you do, you are it is short-lived because you will have to answer the bell immediately after. Yeah. And I promise you that every team that comes into Toronto or has them visit them when they play – there's going to be a different attitude now that this team's been a little bit overhauled mentality-wise from Brad Tree Living. You know, knowing him well from his time here in Calgary, he appreciates that. You look yeah. at some of the teams he played on and I feel it was like the Central League. Like there's he might have been like fourth or fifth in Pims. And like he's definitely familiar with, with physical hockey and intimidation and certainly places a value in it. I've sort of always pushed back on. Okay, well, like if the guy's a liability on the ice, that's not a good move. Sure, you win the intimidation, but like, goodness, uh, the Detroit Red Wings didn't have anyone when they went back to back. And I don't know that you can collect skill like Detroit used to, but if Reeves can play and he's the toughest guy on the ice, now you've got a problem. Well, he stayed in the league for a reason, right? I mean, he's been on quality teams. He's not one of the guys like myself who got exited stage left. I don't think I proved myself to be enough of a standout to stay in that league, obviously, and lots of guys. I mean, between my last year in the NHL and when I was done there, I think there was about 14 guys, maybe just out of the East, who were all either not re-signed in the summer or sent down at a training camp unexpectedly. And it was a chain reaction of dominoes falling of they get rid of their guy in their division. Well, I guess I don't need my guy. It just went nuts. It went a complete domino effect and they all got cleaned out. But Reeves stuck around and he stuck around for about 10 years after that because he's not a liability, because he understands his role and because he doesn't get caught out there in compromising positions. He can skate well enough to keep up and stay in position. He doesn't try to do anything too fancy. He doesn't try to reinvent the wheel. He gets it deep. He bangs, he crashes. He knows his role and he does it well. And he's just managed to stay in the league against all odds. And it's, it's hats off to him for it. So fight of the week was neither of those. And, and maybe we'll, this will be a reoccurring thing, uh, fight of the week. But uh, we go to the American Hockey League where the Calgary Wranglers are in Winnipeg to face the Manitoba Moose. Now, being a media guy in Calgary, a little bit familiar with Alex Gallant, seemed to be a fearless guy that would scrap anyone. Don't know much about the Moose roster. Uh, we're, we're about to learn a little, though. Let's, let's have a little peek at this one. Right off the draw, we're going to get a bit of a tilt here as Jeff VL and Alex Gallant are going to go. A couple of tough customers here. Gallant gives up a little bit of size, but is as tough as they come. And they will start swinging. VL contacts good. And they're just going to tee off. Gallant, no defense in this one from either side. Gallant loses his helmet. VL to the top. They tie up another couple after the lines. Don't get in there. VL one more over the top. And that is as spirited as they come from two guys who know what they are doing when they drop the gloves. This fight went through the rounds. It didn't matter where I was in my travels. People came up and asked about this fight and shared it with you and sent it to me. And 
It is a flat out. There's a reason that it's called toe to toe. No one's spun off trying to make themselves long. God, they're they're facing each other, throwing bombs. The hands they're holding on with are not fully extended. They're cocked, and they're just not thinking about defense whatsoever. That Gallant is a beast. That Gallant name, there is more than a few of them that has been fearless, fearless fighters. I fought one of them. I think it was Brett in the minors, and he threw so bloody hard. I was like, man, it was like a Sunday afternoon. I'm thinking, can you relax, man? You are throwing bombs. <laughs> and it... <laughs> Same thing with this guy, man. And good on Vale there. I don't know a lot about him either. I want to go down his rabbit hole because you could have easily seat belted. You could have easily slipped on a banana peel and said, I am out of here. This guy is throwing bombs at me and it won't quit. Hung in there the whole time and they went to the absolute bell, which you don't see every day. And when you do, it's fucking wild, man. There's no feeling like those guys were feeling at the very end of that. That that's a throwback fight. That's what that is. That when you talked about Probert shedding gear, like that's the type of thing we saw in that era, where it's like, okay, we're both going to throw, and we'll see who surrenders or who hits the deck first. Like there was no wait, 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 hide, 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 toss one, hide. Like no, that that's two guys saying, like you said earlier, here's my best. Show me yours. It's literally saying fuck it and. <laughs> When your adrenaline dumps and you have that in you to unload it, uh, I tried my best to fight that way most often strictly out of necessity. Like when your adrenaline dumps, you say screw it and you unload. And my philosophy was as much offense as I can bring, that's a good defense because A, when you switch hands, that tends to throw guys like crazy. And when you don't string out or hold on and you just throw and throw and they start scrambling, usually they start grasping with both hands, forgetting to even throw a punch. I always thought a good offense was a good defense. A good defense, sorry, was a good offense. Seems like uh, that's the mentality for those two right there, especially Gallant, but old school, man. I mean, when you get out of that thing, you're so exhausted after one of those, but your adrenaline has completely dumped. So it's this... It's this yin and yang of feeling that I can't describe out of anything. I, best I could describe is like getting in a car accident. Like you're mangled. You can't believe what's going on, but your adrenaline's dumping and you just went through this roller coaster of physicality and you're going to either the dressing room or the bench. And I've never been able to replicate it. It's hard to describe. Meanwhile, 20,000 are on their feet going bananas. Never mind your teammates, Rosie. They're losing it after that. And the boys are fired up yes. to the best part, man. So I love that they're still doing it at this day and age. I'm, I'm looking on hockeyfights.com. This average rating, 9.14 out of 10. Like that, that this is a blockbuster. This, this might be fight of the year. We got it in the first weekend of the American League season. 84% say Gallant won the tilt. VL a little bigger, only got uh, 2.5%. Those two teams are going to meet again. I might pay attention to that one. Ooh, yeah, you should mark that on the calendar. Come down to the dome. Come on down, Rosie. Fuck, I should, man. I will. I've been meaning to catch one of their games. They got a good team this year, and if they're playing that kind of hockey, my God, sign Oof. me up. I've I've got buddies that prefer to go on that than the Flames game. So uh, it's, it's good hockey, no question. And people talk about it. People want to see it. Guys want to do it. Players want to do it. They enjoy it. They want to go out there. They get pissed off sometimes. Right, not everything's about protecting the players. Oh, they don't know any better, and oh, they didn't know the the repercussions. Yes, they do. They get mad and they want to go fucking fight. They want to go prove themselves. They want to go shove a team back on their heels. They want to go do something for their team. They want to win a championship. They want to be part of something special. Let them go do it if they so choose. No one has to fight, and it's almost like people have that are 
opponents of fighting in the game. Don't understand that. I especially agree with you in today's NHL, Jay. Like, I think there were times and places where it's like, line brawl, sorry, here's what's happening. And I also think there were guys that grew up 50 years ago that didn't know what head injuries were and, you know, tape an Advil to it. What's a concussion? I mean, if you're telling me Alex Galant doesn't know what CTE is and he doesn't understand the risks involved, you're insane. He absolutely does. But he also knows that if he does that and catches uh, enough people watching it and turns enough heads, he's going to turn a $60,000 salary and turn it into 800 because he's going to be in the NHL. Like, I, I think what you stated is a really important point. Pleading ignorance, I don't think really makes sense anymore. These guys understand the risk. They also know this could be their ticket for fame. This could be their ticket to set up their family, their kids for the rest of their lives. I mean, he's not doing that because it's like, you know, I was bored and I was just wandering around looking for a fight. A, it helps his team. And B, this is how he's going to make a living. You don't fight like that by feeling pressured into doing it. You don't fight like that by feeling like you have no other options. You fight like that because you've got it in you and you want to go do it and you take it upon yourself to go do it. That guy has no qualms with shedding the mitts, obviously. And anytime he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. I fought, I don't know if I've been in 150, 60 fights in my hockey career since junior. One time I got kicked in the ass and said, go get that guy. One single solitary time was the coach. One time it happened. Every other time it was my choice, my decision. It was up to me. I never felt the pressure to have to fight. I made the decision. I was proud of it. I liked playing that style of hockey. And I turned myself into that on my own accord. And for some other person who has never been through that experience, who's never played in the league, who's never been in that role, to try to make policy to say you're no longer to do that, who the hell are you is my problem. I agree. And the, the other thing I'll say, like, hey, not a professional hockey player here, like not a guy that that ever played any high level at all. A uh, guy who quit when he was afraid of getting killed at midget because he hadn't hit puberty yet, like playing men's league. There are times where I'm like, OK, if if it was allowed, like a fight would really settle things down here. Like <laughs> the game is so physical and so fast. There are spots where it needs release points. And even for a guy that's never touched anything near elite hockey, you feel that in the game. Massive frustration grows. You know, that stupid prick over there is doing this nonsense. We got to like, I'm not saying hooray, everyone fight at all leagues, all levels. But what I'm saying is to, to pretend that, you can take it out and it's not replaced with something else. I think it's a little naive. And we've seen that. We saw Don Cherry talk about this forever. It's like, you want more stick work? Take out fighting. I agree. And like I say, when you don't have a guy that's tough, the way teams play, it is so obvious and it is so real that guys that play a certain way, call it a rat, call it a shit disturber, whatever you want to call it, those guys come out and they lick their lips when they don't have to answer any bells. They can play that game. They can do mental warfare. They can get the bench fired up. They can have guys taking penalties on them, retaliating. They can get in an entire team's kitchen by playing that style of play. But if you have a big fella standing there who you know, if I play this game tonight, I have to bare knuckle fight that guy. And whether you want to admit it or not, it is a deterrent and it it slows that type of thing down. If you just band it all together and literally no one was allowed to fight, that stuff would come out in droves. No question yeah. about it. But I don't know what it is about the game. Like you say, it can be beer league. It can be two guys that do business together. They're known each other their whole life and they get in an FU match in beer league and end up dropping the gloves. Why do they not fight in rugby i don't know i don't have an answer for that (laughs) but hockey you can 
take guys that aren't necessarily embroiled in the culture that maybe didn't grow up with it, that have never been in a fight in their life, but they start playing beer league at 25 and they'll get into it with a guy and they're in there with a scrum and face washing and F you and they can get into a fight. Why? I don't know. The game is fast. You're on skates. There's no out of bounds. Tensions boil over in hockey. And for some reason, men get driven to fighting each other when they play hockey. It's been like that for a hundred years. I didn't invent it. It's just the reality of thousands of years. Big dumb animals. Yes. And the women just look at us like, the hell are these dopes doing again? And then, you know, the guy you fought, you probably crack a beer with after the game. Big dumb animals. They're probably right. Tell me what you saw with Sid, because I don't think it's the exact same, but I think I saw something in there that's similar. He fought in the preseason, saw a teammate take a hit he didn't like, jumped in there and grabbed a guy. I think earlier in his career, he's thinking about, oh, what could go wrong? Sid doesn't have to worry about not being strong. Sid understands where he is. Sid doesn't have to fight in the preseason. It's hilarious to even think about doing it. He just thought it was the right thing to do in the preseason. He just grabbed the guy and said, let's do this. It was beautiful, man. A guy like that with his type of clout within the league, veteran as they come, one of the greatest of all time, God is cops. Everything there is to win, he's done it. He's not the most physical guy in the world. He was known as kind of a whiner early on, a diver, people used to call him. He's 30, what, seven, eight years old, preseason with all the stuff he's got and the accolades he has. He's fighting a guy in preseason because he didn't like what went down and it pissed him off. And he went and took care of it and handled it. And that was the way that he needed to put it behind him. It was amazing if i own the team or if i'm the coach or gm i do not want sid to fight ever i just don't want to risk it but as a a former player and a fan of the game to see sydney show up like that and to think of all the other sports where that would just never happen with like a legend of the game but it happens in our beautiful game it warms my heart (laughs) okay so take me back to philly your one-stop toronto you spent a bunch of time in philly talk about a city that loves tough guys and scrappers that's a big battle pittsburgh versus philly Flyers, Penguins. What was it like going up against Sid? And this is after his first cup because he won one, I think, around 09 or 10, and then he won the back-to-back in the late teens. But where was the rep then? Because you're right. He was kind of portrayed as a bit of a whiner early out of the gate. And you know what? To be fair, like he's an intense dude, and I think not having success was tough on him. You'd, You'd see him wear it, whereas now you see a much more stoic dude. But what was Sid like when you were playing him in divisional battles? Well, it was... A treat to watch him, to be honest. I wasn't out there against his line very often by design. Probably a good call by your coach, yeah. <laughs> Guys that I know that I play with that have played with him say that the most impressive thing about Sid is just watching him in practice. He does everything at game speed and the stuff he pulls off makes guys just like laugh at how am I even in the same league as this guy? Legit, legit NHL players. The stuff that he does. And you could see that from the bench playing him. Those were the areas where they had some of those battles in the playoffs. Pens, Flyers, absolute wars. Obviously, with Pittsburgh getting the better of that during those years, the Flyers were always fired up to play them. I remember one time I got caught out with Sid and he kind of had it on the half wall. And I, I was going to go hit him. And I was like, hey, I'm, I can tell that he knows I'm there. I'm not going to blindside him or anything. He like pulls up and does some spin. And I like catch my feet against his and like fall. It was friggin' pathetic. Puck gets dumped into their end. I decide to forecheck it, and I can just hear Eric Goddard screaming at me from the bench. <laughs> for even a, Don't you dare! For even attempting to make contact. And I was on a bit of a mission that night, and I was kind of playing with a chicken with its head cut off. But Ben Lovejoy goes back to get the puck. 
I don't realize it's icing. <laughs> and I'm chasing this thing down. Lovejoy touches the puck. Tweet. Boom. I blow into him. Melee ensues. Sid's the first one in, just throwing bombs with his glove on in my face. I'm just eating Sid's punches because I'm like, oh, boy. Eric Goddard comes from the bench. Should have got a leaving the bench penalty. Comes in, his gloves are off top of the circles, and we have this big go. I remember being so gassed. At the end, I go down. I honestly thought the fight was kind of over. I could feel the release of us and the, the involvement of the linesman, and Goddard took one last bop at the back of my head. I bounced it off the ice, Ugh. felt it immediately, broke my nose, and I looked up as I like came out of the pile. I looked up, and my whole eyebrow was hanging over my eye, just oh. gushing. And when that went on the Jumbotron, the place went bananas and i i couldn't help but laugh saying fucking pittsburgh man i had written down goddard uh as, as guys i remember vividly as tough guys in calgary the other couple sandy mccarthy rocky thompson so i'm glad you brought up goddard there like for all the guys that were really heavies that didn't lose a lot i don't think goddard got talked about enough maybe i'm it's a bit of an aside here but spooky tough there's a lot of guys out there that just held their own and were just monsters for years and years and probably didn't get their due just you know, I don't know if they weren't flashy enough or what the deal was, but the list will be endless. I think we'll find that as we keep doing this show that the list is endless. Rocky Thompson, you mentioned, I have to find the interview of him in Flames training camp. It looks like a movie who just went too far and embarrassed themselves trying to portray a fighter in hockey, but it's him and it's legit. He literally has two black eyes, his Nose is swollen. He's got the strandy hair. He looks like Bret Hart. Yes. He can barely talk and he's got stitches right in the middle of his nose. And you just watch and he just fought like a maniac all preseason to make that flames. And his fucking interview is so hilarious and so genuine. And he seems like the nicest guy on the planet. It doesn't even seem real. We're going to have to air that here uh, sooner than later on this thing. That's on our shopping list for next week. So Rocky Thompson trying to make the flames video. I remember those teams are bleeping awful in Calgary for a while there. There was a dark period between 1996. Yeah. 1996, they got swept by Chicago around one. They didn't make it back again until the magical 0304 run where Mika Kippersoff lands in their lap. You got Robin Regeer, Jerome McGinley, and a, a whole cast of blue collar, you know, lunch pail guys, including our, our buddy here that uh, I got his jersey behind all retro. So Rocky, this is somewhere in those dead eight years where they can't make plus of their lives. The only reason to go to the Dome was this guy at one point. Like, not that the team didn't have other players, but, like, you legit were excited to go watch this guy play. Not like, uh, I hope Val Burry can get 30 this year somehow. It was like, have you seen this guy, this maniac? And the whole place, like, one of the bigger rinks in the league, always had good crowds, even when the team was bad. Rocky, Rocky, like, right out of the damn movies. The place was cheering his name in a lost season. Are you kidding me? It's amazing, man. It's contagious. Those guys' attitudes, uh, their fearlessness. Mm -hmm. They're usually like lovable guys. Everyone would, loves them. When you'll do anything for your teammates and you do it for your teammates and sacrifice yourself for the betterment of the team, you probably have something inside your personality that your teammates would find endearing. Yeah. And it goes beyond the scope of your job on the ice. And usually those guys are good locker room guys. Guys appreciate it. People appreciate it. Owners and coaches, GMs appreciate it. Star players appreciate it. And you know goddamn well the fans appreciate it. Yeah, always the most popular guys, it, it seems like. Uh, I want to tell you about our first partner, hopefully of many, uh, Rosie. We'd love to 
Let's pile up the partners here. Let's get this thing going. It's week one. Good pals at Crown Royal. Love Crown Royal, Rosie. The bottle shape, unmistakable. The purple velvet bag, can collect marbles in them. But uh, mm-hmm. they're on board. And every week we're going to salute the generous guy. Generosity lives in the small things. Crown Royal, crown everything. There's no one way to be generous. There's endless ways for a crown for everyone. The generous guy this week is you, Rosie, for sticking up for your teammates, for putting up with all this nonsense, trying to get the show off the ground. You come through in a big way with some great stories about you sticking up for teammates. The generous guy is Jay Rosehill today, my friends. I am honored. There you go. I can't believe I'm the first one. We'll find some examples of it. We'll maybe mix in some storytelling, but every week we'll have a generous guy, crown royal, crown everything. A couple throwaways here as we put a wrap on week one. First off, uh, it's show one. We're going to be spitting this out over the social platforms from the Hockey Fights accounts. That would be Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, or X, whatever we're calling it. So mm. it's going to be a lot weird. of people's first time yakking with us, or at least hearing us yak. We want a little feedback loop. So I've got our Instagram handles. Mine is Pinder, you suck. Because that's what people used to text me every day when I worked at a radio station. Pinder, you suck. So that's what you've heard a lot really of. Just kind of stuck. I like it. Uh, you've got J, just the letter, not the name or the name. Instagram, it's the letter J underscore Rose Hill. And X, formerly Twitter, is J, my name, underscore D underscore Rose Hill. J-A-Y underscore D underscore Rose Hill. You got her. And I am at Pinder Report. Yeah. Pinder, you suck on Instagram. Pinder Report on X or Twitter or whatever we're calling it. Uh, so let us know what you thought. If you've got someone to nominate for uh, the Generous Guy Award from Crown Royal, if you've got a Fight of the Week nomination, if you found something in a more abstract place, doubtfulthehockeyfights.com guys would miss it. It's possible, I guess. Send it our way. Or if you've got someone you want to nominate for Heavyweight Champion, of the Department of Discipline. Who's our belt holder? Reeves has already got two tilts under his belt in the NHL. He's going to get some love. He's probably the front runner. We got a hit of the week. Mm. Lucas Raymond? I thought Lucas Raymond was like, wasn't he like a top five pick from the, the wings? Isn't this supposed to be some skilled Swedish guy with a Don Cherry be losing sleep over this? Something special is going to have to happen. Bango! Dying? Esamont? Simont? I, I feel very bad. This man's got a very difficult name to say, but the lightning forward... His feet are where his head's supposed to be, Jay. There's an image for you. Is it just me or is it only guys going into the opposing team's bench that when that happens, it seems like? It's true. I think it's Claude Lemieux where someone gets dumped. I think it's a red wing gets dumped in Lemieux's bench and he's got his tongue out and he's looking at the ref and you see him feeding uppercuts. So that's I, I guarantee you that's a Don Cherry rock'em, sock'em clip that I remember that from. But it's hilarious when guys go into the bench, man. No one helps him. You notice that? Nobody helped him up. Looks like he's bobbing for apples or he's doing a keg stand. What's going on? I want uh, to start a segment called This Week in Soft. And you're going to love it because it's how how soft are we? I think this is going to enrage me. Yes. The Toronto Maple Leafs have stopped playing the song Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi because they got some complaints about the lyrics. (laughs) Today in soft. Crush a bit, little bit, roll it up, take a hit, feeling lit, feeling like 2 a.m. summer night. I don't care, hand on the wheel, driving drunk, I'm doing my thing, rolling the mid beside and now, living my life, getting our dreams. I'm a dude. Leafs, come on. I mean, everyone complains about everything, but 
Now you're not going to play any song because someone's going to be offended by every little song out there in the whole world. Oh, did you know that Elton John wrote this song? And Elton John once consumed too much alcohol and puked in a pool. How dare you endorse that behavior? You can't play Elton John. Hey, the Karens are running the world these days, Pinder. You know that. Although if there's one thing that you're probably not going to be able to argue, it's drunk driving. And I think it was 5 a.m. driving drunk. I'm doing my thing. That might be it. But here's the thing about these songs is you can snip the songs. And they, knowing the least people, they would not have been playing that part of the song. They're already smarter than that, I'd suggest. Well, I think Mothers Against Drinking and Driving, I think they do a lot of work with these leagues and these kids and the sports involvement and whatnot. And I believe it was them. I know from a little inside track that was making some noise about it and they decided to pull it. This is right in your backyard. You, of course, have the least morning take with the sociopath, our good pal, Nick Alberga. <laughs> but that, that's so that's good until I only saw the headline and thought this the Jay's going to lose his mind. You've already gone through this whole rigmarole. There's a lot of songs, by the way, that are about things that society's not OK with. Um, so just be careful out there with your music. A couple of years ago, I was just dying laughing because at the exact same time, Baby It's Cold Outside was getting canceled like the 1930s Christmas song about come on in for a drink. And she's like, I should go home. And he's like trying to get her to stay longer, trying to prolong the date as if that's just the epitome of evil. And at the same time, they're giving wet ass pussy song of the year. And just, my goodness. And the same, it seemed like the same type of people are championing her and her, uh, you know, ability to be free sexually and express herself. When the same people are trying to tear down, the 1930s baby it's cold outside i had to laugh at that and what what an anomaly this this society's got himself in isn't it it's music my my whole thought is why don't you listen to the music you like and i'll listen to the music i like and if we like the same music goodness it would be a party what a concept crazy uh jay thank you for episode one this has been the department of discipline hope you've had fun with us make sure you check out all the content uh, getting spat out over at hockeyfights.com and the socials. It's been a physical start to the season, sir. I can't wait for week two. Kind of has. Makes me excited. Maybe our timing on this show is just perfect as old-time hockey makes its return to our lives. If we don't get canceled before week two, I'll see you then. I'm waiting patiently. <laughs> see you, buddy. Please rise for our national anthem. Please, Mr. Linesman, let the players fight. 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 Let them 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 fight.